Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Oh, my goodness. Oh, oh my goodness. Let me explain something to you. The season that I am in, OM Jizzle, I can't even tell you how grateful and appreciative of every storm that sailed and rocked the boat and pushed me to this particular location, to these particular coordinates. I have to tell you, I'm going to go ahead and be uh, be completely honest with you. I used a phrase that kind of just did it in happenstance, and then when I stopped, I was like, mm, let me go ahead and uh, put a little bit more mm, elbow grease into that statement because that was awesome. So I was having a conversation with my husband, just pouring my heart out, just letting him know what I was feeling and um, how, again, how appreciative I am of this season. As you know, the last couple of conversations when I was letting you know how much of a toxic work environment I was in and the things that I was facing in that work environment and the spiritual warfare that I felt and the decisions that I had to make to kind of just get to a better place and I arrived, but I had to stop for a minute, look around in my life and say, oh my goodness, let me just bottle cap and say lot in this moment to just really, really expunge on the fact that I love these coordinates. And that's exactly the conversation I had with my husband. I just told him, I said, you know, I really love this season. Like, whatever this is right here, whatever these coordinates are right here, I want to build upon that. I want to make this a foundational situation. I want to do what they did in the in the Old Testament where they would see a situation and say, you know what? Let's stop and build an altar. Let's go ahead and get some rocks or whatever we need to do to have memorabilia of this particular situation, of what God did for us, of what God brought us through. I want to stop here. I want to say lot and I want to say man these coordinates are amazing and that's exactly where I'm at but I was like wait a minute why out of all the words the Holy Spirit just inspired me to use the word coordinates I wanted to look up that particular definition so when I looked it up with the new Oxford American Dictionaries and the bishops over there the verb coordinate the first definition that's giving is bring the different elements of a complex activity or organization into a relationship that will ensure efficiency or harmony. I said, oh my goodness. And then a couple of things that bullet points down the second one to be exact, it says match or harmonize attractively. And so when I went back to my original statement of man, I love these coordinates. I didn't realize that what I was saying I knew what I was saying, but I didn't realize that the real definition of that was I found a balance and a harmony that I forever want this to be my foundation in life forever. I'm talking about an ever. And here's the thing. We all have times in our life when we're like, listen, there is either too much on your plate, too little on your plate. It's just it, there is a real 
essence and it real you got to have some type of real assurance to know how to pack your particular plate because if you look over to someone else you know to your left or to your right and see how everyone else is packing you would be overwhelmed on trying to understand but how do I pack my plate I do I pack as many starches as do I need all those vegetables do, you know what meats can I can I have seafood is dairy off limits and I think the true essence of finding out your particular coordinates is understanding what works for you there are things that as I'm getting older and wiser that I've realized I cannot digest I know everyone else can but it does not work for me there are tv shows that I cannot get into because the way that I am living my life when I try to bite in and digest what other people are eating I get a different reaction so what would send me to the spiritual toilet <laughs> or send me to the spiritual acne a breakout doesn't do it for everybody else so if you Get into a space where you make the mistake of trying to digest what other people are eating. You will soon find that you don't get their results. And so that brings me to the very essence of what I have been experiencing. The only way to truly know your courtness is to really understand you're going to have to give a lot of no's. You're going to have to turn down a lot of different things until you find your exact coordinates, your exact harmony, the things that attract and find balance in your life. And I'll tell you where it's coming from. When I was at that prior location that will remain nameless because that's somebody's grandbaby is working there still. Okay, great. I was having one of the, I mean, I was having a terrible time there. It just did not, the environment was toxic and we're not, without going all into it, it just did not work. And I will go to different coworkers and say, how are you doing it? One coworker was like, listen, I got other outside commitments. This is not, you know, I don't do what I'm Oh, I don't put all my energy into this particular job. I do what I'm asked and, you know, the few things that they ask me to do. And I do that. And they don't they don't look for me. They don't, you know, whatever. I got my side businesses. I got this, that, and the third. And I'm like, hmm, okay. So, again, trying to reflect, is that something that I can pick up? Is that something that I can digest and, and implement in my life? And that wasn't it. It was like, you know, <laughs> like Goldilocks flow. Like, mm, that's too hot. Then I went to someone else. I'm like, well, how are you doing it? She was like, listen, I'm going to school full time. I don't got the time. Like, they don't want me to work in excellence here. Listen, I'm not doing it. And it was mm, too cold. Then I went to someone else and I'm like, well, how are you doing it? <laughs> listen, I still don't know. They they haven't told me what they expected of me. I'm, I came in here, you know, trying to hit the ground running. They shut me down for a couple bit. At this point, I gave up. You know, I didn't do any work all last week. Then nobody's looked. And I was just like, no. And so I realized that to find that mm, just right, I was going to have to find my own coordinates. But it wasn't just in the job. The job, that prior job made me go back and look at other situations. When I was in the dating realm prior to being married, there was just certain people that it was like, you're a great guy, but you're just not my guy. And I will go to other people and I'm like, am I bucking? Like, he has this, he has that. And I would lay out the groundwork, you know, what it looks like on paper. I'm like, but it didn't. It just don't feel like it's it's the right sequences for me. Like, it's almost like online shopping. You're looking, you're like, that outfit looks amazing until you try it on and you're like, oh, I hate the way polyester feels on me. Somebody else is like, listen, polyester is my fave. Pass it down, you know, hand it over. And you're like, okay, 
So is it me? And so I've realized that it, it, there's certain things that you're going to have to just be able to digest and say, it does not work for me. It doesn't make me a bad person. It doesn't make me an indifferent person. It doesn't make me bougie. It doesn't make me any of that. It makes me a person that has not yet found the coordinates to my yes. So until I get to that point, I will be giving a whole bunch of no's. I've had to give no's in the dating realm. I've had to get no's when I went house shopping. It was like, oh, this is the greatest area, the school, the block. It's all these square footage. But there was just certain elements that it's like, mm, it just, it, it, it's not right. For whatever the reason, it's not right. But what I found out the most is that, especially with this last position, because I had this whole grand idea, don't we all, right? That I was going to stay there a year. I was going to beef up the resume. I was going to get the experience. I was going to tack on whatever certifications and education that I needed to go ahead and compliment sandwich this this particular job. And I was going to stay a year. And, and at day two, God was like, a year? And I was like, no, because I want to be truthful. If not, if not with myself, definitely with God. And so it kept scaling back down where I had to write down all the months and cross it out. I felt like I was low-key, like, God forbid, rebuke it, doing time. Like, I'm writing down the months and crossing it out like, nigga, 11 more months to go, baby. Like, yeah, that that's not it. I'm sorry. And so what I quickly realized is there was a poison to that that you can actually hold on to your idea while all the while sabotaging God's plan for your life. That you can really, it can be a good idea. There's nothing wrong or immoral about saying, hey, I would like to get this much experience before I move on in my career path and this, that, and the third. And what I came to realize is that a good idea is not a God idea. That you need to go to God for a God idea. And a lot of the times we mistaken good ideas, the ones that we come up with, the ones that even maybe God may open the door to. But to find the coordinates to your peace, to find the coordinates to your harmony, to have everything in perfect balance, a good idea is just not going to take it. It's not going to cut it. And I really just was like, man, the scariness of thinking what if I would have stayed at that last position because I had a good idea? I truly had the most most breathtaking experience at my new position today that almost brought me to tears. Like I literally sense God in this particular atmosphere. I sense God when I'm excited to wake up in the morning to go to work. I'm excited on Sunday. I'm thinking about the job in a good way. Even if it's on my mind, I'm like, ooh, okay, maybe I should do this, that, and the third. And I have all these other plans and things. I am inspired. There is something about being in a presence somewhere that God has taken you and God has planted you. There is an inspiration. There is fruitfulness. There is a fertileness that is in the soil where you're planted, where you can't help but to bring up fruit and yeah there may be rain and there may be inclement weather but there was one thing that is for certain when God plants you you see fruit you feel fruit and even if you don't see the whole tree yet you do recognize I sense seed there is seed in the atmosphere 
I sense it. I see it. I see growth. I see I see the sun. I, I may not see all the plants just yet. I don't know all the square footage and the acreage of this particular garden. But one thing I know is that I see that farmer and that farmer is tending. And whether that farmer is the director, is the supervisor, or anybody in an authority, the number one way that you can tell, okay, it's going to be some fruit here, is how the particular people in authority tend the ground. The Bible said in Genesis that when God was making all the, you know, trees and all the things and this, that, and the third, I was so surprised to see that he said he spoke vegetation. All the vegetation seeds were there. But in the very next few verses, it was like, hold on, but there was no vegetation yet because there's, there was no one there yet to till the ground. And so what that showed me is that you can have all the seed in the world, but if there is not a purposed person in that position to till the ground, there will never be any fruit. You ever had good people around you and you were like, man, I see the potential, but there was no one there to cultivate that. You ever saw a house that you were like, man, that that would be probably a good gut job. Or, you know, if it had this particular cosmetic thing or, or curb appeal, whatever, that would be a great house to go ahead and stuff. You ever see a car that you're like, mm, you know what? It, yeah, with a, with a paint job. And if you got that particular window and put a little tent there, then, yeah, that would be the ideal where you can always see the potential, but there's no one there in the position to give it purpose. Like literally you're, you can you can see it, but you don't see it yet. That is how you need to start looking at the environments and the people that you choose to be in relationships with. That is how you need to start looking at the environments that you allow yourself to maintain and remain in. I am so grateful that that last position only took three months of my time. Or as I said to you, I spent the first quarter resetting, right? I'm so glad that I didn't hold on to coordinates that didn't serve me. I am so glad because I promise I know one thing's for sure. I would have walked out of that more poisonous than purposeful. That is why we truly need to be careful of the environments that we choose to stay in and the people that we allow to speak to us through in that situation because I had great people around me that was like did God tell you to leave did you pray on it yet did you you know was was this something that you really took into prayer and the one thing that I got out of this is time out let me go ahead and, and just evaluate and that I pulled away from my own spiritual life is I don't have to ask God for everything he's in me I feel this is wrong and that was a position that an imposter that I, honestly, I've never taken before. It's always been, God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do? And I finally got to the position that I'm like, you know what? I can honestly say I don't feel that God is here or wanting for me to extend my stay in somewhere where there's no fruit. Just because the door opened doesn't mean you got to stay. Just because the invite was extended to you doesn't mean you have to go. Life is about making decisions that aids and adds to your fruitfulness. I just because you served me something on a plate doesn't mean I have to eat it. 
If I if I decided to go ahead and pick it up and chew it and then realize midway through that meal, oh my goodness, this is making me sick. I don't have to finish it because, you know, um, but would God have allowed it? Did God open the door for that to be served with you? Let me explain something to you. If you believe that anywhere through your journey that God can't change his mind, that he can't, or that you see, hey, God, I changed my mind, and you don't see that as God giving you the freedom to choose the paths that you take as long as you are continuing to go the course of his journey, of his will for your life, if you don't truly believe that there can be a recalculate, that once you start a thing, you got to finish it all the way through then you got God misconstrued, then you haven't read any of the Bible at all. And I don't want to talk about anything that makes you feel bad because you are somebody's grandbaby. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, you got it wrong. Because when I read the Bible, I read a God that started the world and said it was good, looked back down and said he regretted it, and then went ahead and started again. I see a God that was like, okay, you know what? I didn't plan the whole Jesus thing, but Jesus real quick, uh, can you go down here and rescue them? Because without you, this is not going to go right. And I really do want to restore them back to my heart. So can you go ahead and make that happen? I seen a God that put some plans together, looked at Noah and was like, ah, you know what? I can go ahead and, and take a little bit of this and make a little bit of that. I saw a God that was like, yo, Moses, move to the side because these people are getting on my nerves, sir. And I'm getting ready to smite thee. And I'm done and Moses was like real quick God can I say something to you if you brought uh the Israelites all the way out here from Egypt and you took them to the wilderness just to kill them it's gonna look like you you didn't have the power to go ahead and save them further and he was like you know what sir you're right I changed my mind if you don't believe that you can be in the midst of a path and still say "Mm, this is not it and have God's grace and his favor on that thing then you're mistaken Now, in all of those examples, what I gave was a changed mind, not a changed plan. You get you you hear what I'm saying? It's a difference. You can change the course, but don't change the path. So if you got in a car and the car broke down and you still trying to get to point A, there's still trains, there's still buses, there's still planes, there's still boats. You understand? You can change the travel channel that you get there, but the plan still remains the same. The plan was always to go ahead and have a world that God can say, hey, this is my people and I love them. The plan was always to go ahead and restore relationships so that we can have it with him. The plan was, you understand that? And I feel like in even just saying that, you're like, you know what? That right there was worth the whole, I got a whole spiritual eureka moment that I didn't even think about before I got on this phone with you. And that's what these conversations are for. Because I don't want us again to hold on to this idea that it only has to be one way that we sabotage God's plan. Who even gave us that? (laughs) Who even put us in that in our minds? That if you go to school, you got to go to school for this one thing. And if you change your, you know, your major here and there, oh, you know, you're unstable. That if you, you know, started a job, then you got to retire the whole way through. And, you know, you got to get pension and and you got to build up all your retirement. No, you should have the luxury of enough as you're learning yourself. Say, hey, uh, I think I want to switch gears here. I think I want to switch transportation methods here. I think I want to change this up to be able to aid to the happiness of your your journey, your journey, bruh. People are always going to give you the coordinates or, or they're never going to be able to give you the coordinates to your journey. And here's what I truly found out. 
after people giving me advice on how to do a thing and good advice, because I do think for the most part, people mean well. And so it was like, you know, don't quit yet. You know, you're going to have to, you know, but this whole bear down and tuck down on this pain that no longer serves you is no longer what I subscribe to. I do believe that there's going to be some things that it's like, mm, this is this is a, a little bit tough. You know, it's a little bit staticky on this on this particular station. But I believe that God gives you other options, other stations to choose from. If it is not pleasurable to you, if it is not enjoyable for you, then you no longer have to sit at that table. As a parent, I would not want my children to sit at the table and just old school eat what's over on your plate. If I can see in their face and in their being, they're not enjoying the dinner that I made. I don't want that. So what do I do as their parent? I try to figure out their likes and their dislikes as they're growing so that we can go ahead and and come together with an understanding and compromise on a meal that satisfies them, that I can continue to serve them. You know how many times I made something and all of a sudden it was like, hey, didn't really like that. So now the new question when I'm serving my family, when I'm serving my children and my husband, I I always say, hey, this is the meal. Go ahead and taste that. And then I always ask a magical question. How can I tweak that so that you can better enjoy that? One will say, hey, that was too spicy. I ain't really. Somebody else like, mm, that's a little bit too bland. It's like, hey, this texture right here. Sometimes I knock it out the park. But the times that I don't, I am in a relationship to find the coordinates so that we can have more man that was amazing than like uh, because dinner time to me is intimate dinner time to me is when we get to gather and we get to commune over the thing that brings us nutrients there is so much spiritual and physical uh, abundance in that one take of sitting down and eating that I don't want to miss out on because you know you're going to eat whatever's in front of you no I want to serve you And I want this to be nutritious to you, but not only nutritious, I want this to be enjoyable for you, but not only enjoyable. Okay, listen, you don't like Brussels sprouts? I don't either, bro. We ain't going to eat that. Okay, what's your favorite vegetable? Out of all the vegetables in the world, I don't have to keep serving you the one that you don't like. Out of all the, the meals in the world, I don't have to keep making forcing you to eat something that doesn't sit well with you. And I believe that if I do that as a parent, then God does that as our parent. He's not going to keep serving you something that you don't like, but you're going to have to eat a vegetable. But you have an option. You're going to have to eat according to your, your particular body mechanics. But you have options. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to eat the fruit that don't sit, sit well with you, but you're going to have to eat a fruit. Okay, great. Um, you may not like water, okay, but you're going to have to drink a bottle. And you have to learn the difference between something being excruciating and just not, you know, your preference. That's the difference. That's how you get to your coordinates. And you know who I truly admire? <laughs> like I, I can read her story and just literally pull so many different lessons and things from it that I'm like, listen, she is going to be the forever fruit for me. And that's Hannah in the Bible. When I go to 1 Samuel 1 and I read about just her story in itself, it brings me such great joy because I see a woman that just refused to give up on the courtness that was going to satisfy her. You know that, and I've read this story to you before, you know some of the background, right? If not, let me go ahead and just give you a 30-second real quick, just bring you up to date. So Hannah was married to Elkna, 
Okay. Elkna had two wives. That's his business. That's between him and the Lord. Um, it was Hannah and it was Panea. They both uh, were in some kind of competition with each other. But guess what? Hannah couldn't have no kids. And year after year after year, Panina will go ahead and have children and taunt Hannah, nana na 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 boo-hoo, in the reproduction realm, right? And just let her know, like, <laughs> you ain't having no kids. And so there were certain practices that went on when uh, someone had children. So let's just go ahead and read First Samuel chapter 1, but I want to go ahead and start at verse 6. So Panina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. Seven, year after year, it was the same. Panina would taunt Hannah as they went to the tabernacle. Each time, Hannah would be reduced to tears and would not even eat. Eight, why are you crying, Hannah? Elkna would ask, which is her husband. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. Isn't that better than having ten sons? Oh, my, you know I get upset every time I read that, right? There is so much fruit in this. Number one, <laughs> I love the fact that, and I want to go back to that, back to verse six. So Panina would taunt Hannah and make fun of her because the Lord had kept her from having children. When I read other versions, um, just to go back to the, let's see, one of the, so King James, right? It said in the last verse or the last sentence was because the Lord had shut up her womb. Right. And then I read in the New King James Version, it said because the Lord had closed her womb. And the one thing that popped up to me and that my spirit just was like, mm, and it said, well, was, you know, even if her womb was closed, her mouth wasn't. Because if you know anything about Hannah, a couple of verses later, she went back to the tabernacle to the priest, Eli, and she was praying. And Eli was like, uh, woman, are you drunk? And she was like, no, I'm praying for a son. Hold on real quick, sir. And he was like, oh, okay, well, you know, I touch and agree with whatever you're praying on. And she was like, thank you. And she felt better and all that awesomeness. But the fact that too many of us look at a shut situation or a temporary closed situation and look at it like, oh, it's the end. And I want to go ahead and persuade us to stop looking at stop signs in our lives like they're roadblocks permanently. To stop looking at the fact that nobody hired you yet as nobody's hiring at all. Because the Bible didn't say that she was barren. It just said that God closed her womb. Closed is way different than shut down. So you need to go ahead and use what you have in the mighty name of Jesus. I know that they're not hiring right now, but somebody's going to hire me. I'm going to go ahead and do what Hannah did, and I'm going to go to my resume, and I'm going to go ahead and update it like it's already done. I know that they said, you know, the pickings is slim for people to be in relationships, and, you know, marriages don't last. But in the mighty name of Jesus, I'm going to have a covenant that lasts and lasts and lasts until Jesus come with the rapture. I'm going to go ahead and prepare myself to be a wife. I'm going to go ahead and move out all the roadblocks and maybe chips on my shoulders and communication issues that would interfere with my marriage and in the name of Jesus I'm gonna be a great wife we're gonna have a long lasting marriage and it's not gonna just be a marriage to say the numbers we're gonna have fun it's gonna be fruitful we're gonna be the marriages that inspire other people to want to get married I'm gonna have children in the mighty name of Jesus I don't care what they said about these fry boys or this reproductive system doctors can't tell me nothing with the womb that God made in the name of Jesus I know that they said you know the market is not looking good when it comes to houses 
So you may not want to go ahead and get your hopes up. I know they said, you know, usually with that particular tax bracket, you know, you don't qualify in the mighty name of Jesus. My finances will be enough because if Jesus saw two fish and five loaves, he will go and he made that latch for 5,000 people. He would do what needs to be done when it comes to my finances in the mighty name of Jesus. You need to start looking at closed situations and look at, you know what? It's closed, but it's temporarily closed because when I bring this thing to prayer, when I bring this thing to Jesus and he looks up and he talks to the father and he breaks it back off to me, it's always going to multiply and open up. Hannah only prayed for a child. <laughs> the Bible I read said that she had five of them things. Yeah, after five, I was like, whew, okay. So uh, yeah, you were fertile all along. And that's a word right there. She was fertile all along. It just wasn't time. It just wasn't time. Maybe God didn't want her coordinate to be, um, I'll let you have kids so that you can be in competition with Panea. Maybe he wanted her babies to mean a little bit more. Maybe he wanted them to have a little bit. Maybe he had a perfect timing. He had to. You know who her first child was? Samuel. You know what Samuel did? He went ahead and anointed David. You know what David did? David did that whole thing with Goliath. You know what the bloodline of Jesus is in? The bloodline of David. Almost like God had a perfect timing or something. Hmm? And I love the fact that it, it shows here <laughs> your coordinates has nothing to do with other people's idea of you. Her husband literally looked at her and was like, why do you want children? Like having me is like having 10 sons. Like it literally says that in the Bible, this is not me coming up with a synopsis or, or summary. It literally says, isn't that better than having 10 sons right here? You know, I read from the NLT version. And my thing was this. And this is where you got to be careful with people. They may mean well. And maybe that was his idea of cheering her up. Listen, baby, you don't have no kids, but you got you got big daddy. You know, it's me. And she was like, yeah, I mean, that's cool. But you don't satisfy my maternal instincts. And um, that's not going to work. And here's what that I, I identified most with. I said, you know what? Isn't it amazing? That people know your email address, but they will never have access to your inbox. That they kind of know the silhouette of what you want, of what God has, but they truly don't know that it is truly a dissatisfaction when you don't really identify the coordinates that bring you harmony, the coordinates that bring you happiness. Yeah, I know it may look like, why are you dissatisfied and you have a job title that's wow, or you have a tax bracket that's wow, or you're married, or you have that item, or you have that, you know, tangible, whatever big ticket item. It could be a house, it could be a car, you know, and people are looking at their, their situations and looking at you like, you have something to complain about? Man, you're a celebrity, you're Michael Jackson, you're Beyonce, you're, and they just expect that, you know, I see the silhouette of your life, the silhouette of your situation, and I can't for the life of me try to understand what you could possibly be unrested in. Like, you you have an unsettling with you? You're not all the way harmonized and balancing your peace and your happiness? And the answer, if it's no for you, then the answer will be no. And so what you're going to have to really settle in and dig your toes deep in is I will continue to climb this mountain even if it's by myself until I reach the mountaintop of my happiness the mountaintop of my happiness not what it looks like to other people not what it looks like to the outside not what it looks like to and people mean well but people don't read your email 
as I just stated, they see the silhouette. They may know your email address, but they don't know that inbox. Every person has an internal GPS that is only connected to God. God lives in the inside of you. And if God lives in the inside of you, then there's certain personal conversations that people are just not privy to. There's certain coordinates that people are just not privy to. And people can try to give you all the direction in the world. But you know what? While you're driving in the inside and people are journeying on the outside, only you can look at your dashboard and go, man, I'm low on fuel. Man, I need an oil change. Yeah, I, I know the GPS said we got another 10 hours and I could look on the outside and see, you know, you guys are going further. But the inside tells me mm, I may need to pull over because I'm hearing a rattling that wasn't there before. There's just something about the courtness that it, it's just not right yet. It's just not right yet. And that's what this whole conversation is about. And that's what my challenge is for you. I challenge you to find your coordinates. I challenge you to look at your life and say, where have I tried to go ahead and keep pushing where there's no longer a promise for me? Where have I tried to continue on and push through and just keep, you know, just keep pushing and keep pushing when I can obviously see I'm losing momentum. (laughs) One thing I know about God is that uh, your passion will always fuel you to where God ha- is taking you and where he has you. I promise you, and I'm, I will use this example until I can't use this example no more. I never understood the artists that go ahead and move to New York and, they, you know, the, the starving artists, you know, air quotes, or the person that has the demo tape and they're like, here, you know, listen to my demos, or the person who goes to audition after audition after audition. It's like, bro, let me explain something to you. I'm going to be completely honest. I would have quit long time ago, a long time ago. But it's something about their passion that continues to push them to the courtness of, I know I don't have it yet, but I will get there. I know that it don't look, it don't make sense to everybody else. You know, why don't you just go back home? Why don't you just get a part-time job and do A, B, and C? And everybody always has this, you know, outside, outside advice for the inside courtness. And you can't give me that. Only God can. And it may seem well, it may seem sensible, but it's not spiritually equated to where I want to be. I hate to sound like Donnell Jones in the spirit, but it's not where I want to be. Yeah, I can go ahead and get that job for now, and I can go ahead and do this, that, and the third, but that will only satisfy you, and it would dissatisfy me, and that will always equate to a failed equation because it's not my coordinates. Look at your life right now and say, man, am I off a little bit? Because this is the first time in my life, and I'm going to be completely unveiled to you, that I can look and I say, oh, my goodness. (laughs) Honestly, pinch me. Seriously. Where I'm at in my personal relationships, I have no one around me. That shouldn't be around me. And this was one of the few things that I wanted to tell you. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get to the challenge, but I feel like the Holy Spirit is just, he's just giving me so much more. Here's the thing. 
you don't need people around you who think just like you, who want to go just where you want to go. I feel like that's a trap of the enemy as well. I feel like there is a spiritual balance when it comes to a smorgasbord of different people. I feel like Jesus chose 12 different disciples that were just way different. Peter wasn't like John. John wasn't like, you see what I'm saying? Like, it was just like, okay, you guys are different, but you all come to one purpose. That's how you choose your surroundings and your environments. When I look at my personal relationships right now, everything that means a lot to me means a lot to me. And even if the same items don't mean the same to someone else in their own personal life, I don't have anyone around me that doesn't respect what means a lot to me. So if marriage, which it does, means a lot to me, I don't have to have just all married people around me. That's it, you know, because I'm a married woman. Only married women can be around me. No, but I definitely want people around me that marriage is respected by them. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to have a ring, but respect mine. You don't have to have children, but respect the fact that my children come first. You don't have to have a, you know, stellar background and, and all the different things and, you know, perfected walk, you know, a, a, a life without any spots or blemishes. But I do want to make sure that you're not equating me to no foolishness. You know that I'm not going to those kind of parties. You know that I'm not listening to that type of situation. You know that we're not going to be gossiping. And as long as you can respect what means a lot to me, then we can continue to have a relationship. Otherwise, you need to go ahead and cut the umbilical cord to the situation because anything that's attached to me, I look at it as the umbilical cord and I don't want you feeding off of something that I don't benefit from. I just, I don't. The whole thing on birth of life, if you think about a woman being pregnant, the umbilical cord is attached to the child because the what the woman eats, the child benefits from. And what the child benefits from, it, it goes ahead and benefits the woman because now, guess what? You're getting ready to birth something that makes sense. All these hormone changes, all these different discomforts that you're having, and about 40 weeks, some out or so, you know, shy, give or take two weeks, you are going to birth something that you can honestly say, I put in all of this for 40 weeks to birth out the thing that I want to see that is healthy, that I want ahead and I can actually see that the decisions that I made for 40 weeks there there was a there was a benefit to doing that do you see what I'm saying I don't want you having the umbilical cord to friendships where you are depleted you're feeding it and nothing is coming back in return there's no reciprocation to that there is a serious problem when you can look at your environments that you're in, the relationships that you're in, the family members that you still talk to, and that you see the umbilical cord is one way and that there is no benefit in that. I want you to be brave enough to find your courtness. And it's going to sound a lot like I am not satisfied in this area. And I'm not satisfied in this area because I don't sense growth, I don't sense purpose. And I don't feel my passion there anymore. If it's a job, then you need to go ahead and get with God and say, I think that I want to switch vehicles. And that's okay. And give yourself permission to receive God's, it's okay. If it's a relationship, whatever it is, you just need to be honest with yourself en enough to say, these coordinates is not it anymore. And I don't know when it stopped being it, but it's not it. Because when I read the Bible, it didn't say, you know, after the um 14th year after God made. No, there was no pinpointed time. It was just God just looked back on it one day and said, I regret making man. This is just not it. 
the courtness that I first started out on where I felt like, mm, this is good, this is just not it. Be brave enough to mimic and simulate what God did. To say, this is not it, but I'll try to salvage as much as I can. This is not it, but I'm going to try to, you know, come up with a brand new plan. This is not it, but you know what? Until I find those coordinates again where I go, hmm, there it is. Then I will continue to journey on until my this is not it turns into, hmm, this is good. You see what I'm saying? Whew. Let me explain something to you. I, I I love these coordinates. I love it. I love the job that I'm in. I love the 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 plans that I have for my life, the things that I have to look forward to. I love the relational health that all my relationships are in. I'm at perfect peace with the relationships I had to cut. I'm at perfect peace with the jobs that I had to turn down. You know, there were interviews that came in uh, and that I was like, ah, you know what? The, the money sounds great, but the distance was too far. And you know what? Ah, that's close, but that's not really the line, the trajectory that I want to take my career in. And you know what? I, th- that sounds like a great opportunity, but I don't want that atmosphere. You know, there, there were certain wonderful opportunities, but it was like, ooh, but you guys are in, it's a correctional facility. You know, just from my courtness, I was getting closer and closer to my, mm, this is it, God. I feel you. I feel you leading me. I feel you leading me. But you know what I had to do? I had to, I had to cut some umbilical cords. I had to say, thank you for the opportunity, but no thanks. Yeah, you know what? I know I got a degree in that, but I think I want to start something different. I think I want to go ahead and continue my education to do something different. Are you brave enough to admit that you're not satisfied at your current coordinates? And are you brave enough to say, but I'm going to get there? I'm going to get there the way that Hannah did, the way that I did. Are you brave enough to do that? That's my challenge to you. That's my challenge to you. Wake up, look around. Say, ooh, okay, <laughs> the last time that I assessed this situation, yeah, this wasn't, uh, uh, yeah, I kind of, I was not expecting to look back on something that I was excited on and to see that it is now a strenuous thing to my emotions, strenuous to my pockets, strenuous to my, you know, what started off as a good thing, I'm now realizing it wasn't a God thing. You see what I'm saying? All right, listen. I feel like you got what you needed. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not everyone's going to have with you. And that's why you need to keep picking up the phone when I call you because your favorite homegirl got some life chin checks that she need to go ahead and give, ma'am, sir. Okay? But listen, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. Uh, I had the food in the oven and uh, we've been on the phone for, no, because you talk a lot, not me. Okay, great. And I'm going to go ahead and make sure nothing is burnt. So I'll go ahead and speak to you later. Okay. <laughs> whatever. Don't whatever. Okay. Listen, I'm going to let you let me go later. <laughs>